I had no idea about how I was. I was yeah. crazy teenager, 15, and I had no idea what the hell I was doing, but I saw the, the music. I heard the music. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. Hey everyone, it's James. On this episode, I have the honor of speaking with the legendary Mark Tabor. As you can imagine, we get into a lot over a 60-plus year music career, including how we first got into playing the piano, the start of the Tombstone Blues bands, how music is a great mechanism to give back to the community, and his experiences playing shows with some of the most acclaimed artists over the last half century. As always, I hope you enjoy. If you do, please feel free to check out some earlier episodes I've done with people such as Duke Robillard and Rudy Cheeks. And make sure to follow Where the Living Room Used to Be on Facebook and Instagram for a chance to see some show photos and flyers from Mark's time in music. I mean, do you want to pick up our left-handed chair conversation or should we talk about music, Mark? I don't know. <laughs> well, the left-handed thing, there's really something to it. I mean, if you are you left-handed? No, but Garrison is, though. I am. Yeah, and my mom is left-handed. Yeah, so. I'm left-handed. My son is left-handed. Sam is left-handed. And um, back in the old days, yeah. left-handed people, were, it was not a good thing. No? You, you could be a witch. Oh, they just, like, outcast you? Oh, yeah. 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 It's always a negative thing, like... Um, if you bought a car and it didn't turn out well, you got a left-handed deal. Oh. Uh, don't listen to him. He's out of left field somewhere. <laughs> I mean, the left has always been a negative kind yep. of a thing, which I see as a positive. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just an interesting. And I've read up on things like that about left-handed uh, things, and they, they take a lot of shit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Over, yeah. Well, but, how do you think that that has affected your playing? I think the only way... That's affected my playing is because I'm left-handed. Yeah, but does that does that so help does with your left-handed piano? And I don't know whether it's because I'm left-handed or not, but I would think it would be. I naturally like to play a lot of bass, like Boogie Woogie. When I first learned Boogie Woogie yep. with the left hand, um, I mean, I was just a kid, but it was difficult at first. But I, as soon as I learned how to do it, I took to it. And bass, to me, is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And I love piano because you're... You're a bass player too. Yeah, you know, yeah. You got to back up your own stuff. Yeah. So then, in that case, it's important. Yeah. A lot of people. It was this guy. I met him, and he had just he just graduated from Berkeley in Boston School yep. of Music, yeah, music school. And he said he just graduated. I said, "Well, I, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope you're okay." And he said, "He said, well, what do you mean?" I said, "Well, what I've heard." People who go to Berkeley, piano players especially, they barely use their left hand. It's all right hand work. Yep. Played really quick runs, and occasionally 
maybe your two or three finger cord with your left hand. I says, I've heard that they're considering at Berkeley, if you're a piano player, to have your left hand surgically removed before you begin school. Because <laughs> you don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, you're a drummer. Now, yeah. does, that, does that play with you as far as being right-handed and how you... Yes. Well, it, I fall into a pretty typical drum playing, I would say. Okay. You know, like I play cross-handed, right-handed, but I've seen some drummers and there's honestly like a little bit of envy that are either left-handed that will play. Um, like one comes to mind that he uh, is left-handed, but he plays a right-handed set open-handed. So he basically has his hi-hat on, on his left as well as his ride. So he's able just to do some things that are that wouldn't really come naturally to me. Okay. Um, or even kind of hearing like what Ringo Starr has done with the Beatles. Like he's left-handed playing a right-handed drum. So a lot of the stuff that oh, would come to him naturally are just what would be considered quote-unquote like weird things, but they're like iconic yeah. pieces just because it, it, it kind of cr has that creativity to it. So Well, well with drums too... You can place the drums any place you want. Yeah. Whereas on a piano, it doesn't, yeah. you know, You're the not low gonna... notes are here, the high notes are there, yeah. that's all there is to it. But drummers can move that stuff exactly. around anywhere they want. Yeah. Yeah, Brian Chippendale from Lightning Bolt has a very unique setup. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's, you know, just benefited him in a, in a way mm -hmm. that, uh, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm just, you know, you can't really change the piano around so you can't uh <laughs> re, you know restring the the chords <laughs> um but maybe they maybe they should make left-handed pianos right you know so <laughs> uh but yeah what got you into music mark i i was raised in it yeah where did you grow up in east providence and my mother played piano yep she was raised her family there were five girls, a mom and a dad. They all played musical instruments. Okay. Different ones. Yeah. So at night, very often they would sit down together and play like the same songs that were popular back then, like, I don't know, Dr. Astro's War, all that kind of weird shit. But, okay. Um, and they were a band. They didn't go out and play in nightclubs. Yep. But they... Could play. Just somebody played yeah. would because there was enough there. Somebody played piano, the violin, the accordion, the ukulele, um, the guitar. Somebody, I mean, they had it all down. Wow. And I, I, I obviously wasn't around for that. Yeah. I would hear stories about it, but also when one of my aunts would come to visit my mom, her sister, I would be in awe of them. Sitting down at the piano and singing the songs together, and just and then they'd take turns playing, and I would just stand there and be an absolute awe. I'd say, mm -hmm. "Wow, that is so cool!" <laughs> I and I asked, I was really young, and the kids would be forced to take piano lessons. I asked her, I said, "Can I take piano lessons?" I really, like you were instantly drawn to it. I, I was just pulled into it. Yeah. The piano was my favorite piece of furniture in the whole house. <laughs> it was a big old upright, and it had the pedals on it. 
you know, if you wanted to play, but that part was broken, but it was no play a piano. Yep. But you could open up the bottom and pull out the pedals, and you could pull open the top and hit the notes and watch the hammers go back and forth. And the record player was, the 78 record player was on top of the piano. I remember one time, I climbed up on the piano. I got up there, right at the very top, and I, I was, it was king of a mountain. Really? And my mother walked in, and she got angry with me. She called me by both names. She said, Mark Tabor, what are you doing up there? You come down from there right now. <laughs> oh, I got, I got in trouble. But I used to hide some of my little cars down below inside the pit. I just was drawn to it. Yeah. And how old were you at this time? Five, four, five. Wow, okay. I started so like taking like early, earliest memories, basically? Oh, yeah. Wow. And the piano was always there. Yeah. And my cousins would come down every now and then and show me little notes to hit to play boogie woogie yep uh, that kind of stuff and i i would just soak that stuff up i loved it absolutely loved it yeah i took classical about seven years classical piano lessons classical yeah. piano and again my mother would get upset with me because it'd be a beautiful day and she'd come downstairs and i'd be Practicing away, you know, Beethoven or Brahms or whatever. Yep. And she come out with hot table. <laughs> it's a beautiful day out today. The sun is out. Now you go down the lot at the end of the street where the kids are playing baseball and go and get the fresh air. Go play baseball with those kids. You're not going to stay in here playing that all day long. And I, I had to, so I went down there. Of course, I sucked. <laughs> I, I couldn't hit the ball. I couldn't. I couldn't I, that was terrible. Yeah, I was the I was the one they would give the quarters to when the ice cream truck came. Mark, go get you know three popsicles, two popsicles, blah 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 yeah. blah. I was a, the go getter. The, the Aaron, yeah. But <laughs> I, I I just absolutely loved it. Took to it. And then a friend of mine, as we grew in the sixth grade, his name was Billy Prisco. He uh, he's passed. Um, but I went to his house, which was across the field in the next house over. And I walked in there, and his older brother, Louie, he's passed, bless him. Um, he'd be playing these old 78s of Count Basie and Duke Ellington. Wow, yeah. I never heard that music, James. I never, I never, I never heard that. Yeah. My house was Lawrence Walker, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wow, and then he'd play all these other records and blues that he had there, and Muddy Waters, and Lightning Hopkins, and oh, he went on and on and on, and I just, it was like a picture window just opened up, and I I couldn't get enough of that. Wow. Yeah, okay. And listen to all the styles of piano, like Oscar Peterson, I just love Oscar Peterson. Um, you couldn't help but notice it, and I would start buying records. You know. Okay. Monday morning, I'd get my allowance, and my friend Billy got his allowance, and we would bunk school. We'd go downtown, around the corner from where the living room used to be, yeah. on Empire Street, yeah. to Ray Muffet's music. And we'd be there every morning, and we'd buy an album. We would have enough Miami albums. Well, I think they were 310. Okay. For, for an album. And yeah. we would spend hours going through all the jazz, and we'd both get one and 
wait for the right time to go home and go up to my room and play these albums. It was. Would, were your parents ever? Uh, they got like suspicious all of a sudden. Like, where did all these records come from? And I... yeah, after, yeah. <laughs> no, after a while, it took a while. I used to hide them under my bed and everything else. Yeah. But it did become a problem. Yeah. But and were you like really focused on on jazz, or was it still you were buying that spectrum of stuff? From at that time, and... it went to jazz. That was a lot of jazz. Yeah. I, I was probably fifteen or so, fourteen, fifteen. I just went headlong into it. I just was totally taken by it. I was, yeah. I was amazed, and still am. I used to. I make the comparison now. Of like you take Brubeck, Count Basie, Monk, Ellington, Bud Powell, any of those guys back then had a very distinctive style. Mm -hmm. You knew who the piano player was just when you walked in the room. Whatever record was, you knew who was playing piano. Yeah, it was they were that distinct. And I compare it to the way cars were at that time. Even cars made of the same company, General Motors, you could, or Chrysler, whatever, you could easily tell a Buick from an Oldsmobile, from a Pontiac. Mm -hmm. uh, all those cars, Chrysler, from the Dodge, they all were unique. There was no mistaking yeah. a Ford from a Plymouth. I mean, yeah. it just, it just, and I make that comparison. Nowadays, when I have heard, I don't listen to it that much now, but when I tune on the radio at night to hear some jazz coming out of Boston, a lot of those piano players to me, I can't tell the difference. No. Any more than I can tell a Rolls Royce from a Ford Pinto anymore. I mean, the cars look so much alike. Yeah. And I'm sure that's a. Yeah, like economy reasons or whatever. And gas yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. And I, that makes sense to me, but I do make that comparison. Yeah. I, I don't notice big differences in um, the newer musicians coming yeah. up. Yeah. What do you think that that's from? Is it, I don't know. So, like, a, just a general, like, because all of these earlier artists, it seems that they were blazing their own paths with that, you know, that there weren't those well, that people that were before them. And now all of these people are like, they're. Using them as, as reference and possibly yeah. maybe all the paths have been blazed. Yeah, because when you think about the different styles, like you, know, like you think of um, you know jazz hot and jazz cool when first of the blues came out. Yeah. with Miles Davis on the West Coast, that was a whole new world. Yeah, holy, listen to this guy. Oh yeah. my God, you know, and I took to it. Mm -hmm. went, wow, Miles, but. It wasn't that Dizzy Gillespie, you know, kind of stuff. And then there was Chet Baker, who he was all laid back and mm -hmm. had such a unique style. Yeah, I I guess people found whatever one they were comfortable in and took yeah. it from there. Yeah, then you had the freeform kind of stuff, McCoy Tyner and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, but. Like, who were you pulling from then? Were are there certain people that you gravitated more towards? Very much your... so. Um, Errol Ghana. Okay. Oscar Peterson. Um, some Brubeck, but not as much. But I would say mostly from the school of uh, Oscar Peterson and Ghana or something. 
but they all would kind of melt in together. But I would say I mean, the, the swing of the hardcore, like Oscar Peterson would he back up everybody, and he had a trio. Mm-hmm. He and Ray Brown and Ed Thigpen on drums, Ray Brown on bass, and there are, there are more albums out with Oscar Peterson trio with um, Coleman Hawkins, with Ben Webster, with various singers. Yeah. You know, they, they just backed up everybody, and I just thought it was just so beautiful, because yeah. as a trio, I mean, what I love now when I, I don't play with too many people now, I, it's just not the way it is. But if you're in a band, and you're in a band, musicians who listen, that actually listen to what each other does, uh-huh. it's huge. Yeah. Um, some bands don't do that very well. They're in it for themselves. They don't even care what the bass player is, what kind of line he's putting down. They just want them there. Yeah. But the bass player could be playing some pretty damn oh, interesting yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. And you could be going along with that if you wanted to. I mean, mm-hmm. you should. And the drummer. And, I mean, people listen listen to what these people, they're, they're musicians. Yeah. And I think that that takes a while for a lot of people to do. Yeah. You know? When did you start playing? Like, like start playing out? I started playing out when I was 15. Yeah. I played at the Merrill Lounge in East Providence. Okay. On South Broadway. North, I guess it was North Broadway. With Bob Bovee and, on bass and Denny Dow on drums. And we would play at the Merrill Lounge. Yeah. And I just ate it up. I said, this is, and there was this big old upright piano. They didn't have electric pianos then. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, this big old upright with cigarette burns all on the keys. And <laughs> it smelled like a beer. And, you know, just a beat up old thing. But it was reasonably in tune. And that was, that was just great. I love that. I yeah. Loved what were you playing then? Was we it were doing mostly kind of jazz, just kind jazz of stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just pulling some charts and. and really, well, we start with easier things like C Jam Blues, then we get into okay. Green Dolphin Street and uh, oh, Satin Dow. Everybody wanted to hear Satin Dow. Kind of the, the regular, the standards, let's say, jazz standards. Yeah. At the time. Yeah, yeah. Did they know how old you were, or they <laughs> didn't care? Uh, I wasn't allowed to drink. Okay. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. They they let me know that pretty quick. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, you know, they, they didn't want us in there, but the owner heard me play, so the owner wanted me there. They said, but you only get Coca-Cola. Yeah. That's it. You know, yeah. Or water. You're not doing... Because I really wanted to get a beer. I mean, I wanted to be one of the grown-ups. Huh? Yeah. Because, yes, another thing, too, because I would buy these books, a couple of pictorial books of jazz musicians. Mm-hmm. Every jazz musician, almost every picture in these books, there's a cigarette hanging out of there. Yeah, mouth, yeah, just the... Or stuck on the top of a guitar. <laughs> There'd be a drink on the piano or on a table right next to... I mean, almost all, you'd see them, they'd be playing their instruments with a cigarette and... Yeah. I just, 
I just wanted to be somebody. I didn't know who the hell I was anyway. Yeah. But I said, this provided a very interesting image of someone to be. So you got to smoke cigarettes, and you got to play jazz. you got to smoke, and you got to drink. <laughs> that's what you were that's that's what, At least that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Which was overdone, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how often were you playing in, in this club, or where, what was the, kind of the next we step got, We that? got there weekly. Yep. And then I also I started playing, doing solo stuff. Um, I met some other kids in high school. And I go over to their house. One was a sax player, Ronnie Texera. And he played sax, and this other guy, Ray, would play drums. And we just played a play. We weren't playing out. Yeah. Um, his father was an East Providence detective. So we somehow got permission to go to the FOP hall. Okay. Fraternal Order of Police in yep. East Providence, which was downstairs. And there was an old upright piano in there, so they let us go down there. And the cop, all three cops would be sitting there drinking beer. They'd like it if we came in. And of course, Ronnie's dad was very proud of us. Yeah, that's my son. That's his friend, Mark. And, yeah. Yeah. So we did that fairly often. Yeah. Wow. So there were, play, there were places that were, uh, they weren't gigs. Yeah, you yeah. were just but, already playing out, like already yeah. kind of like in that, that scene. Good yeah. Was the first official band that you played in then? The official band would be with now we get into the um, Ken Lyon. Yeah, Tombstone. And the Tombstone. Yeah. I met Kenny in camp. I was I was going to church in those days. Yeah. I was a camp counselor. And in fact, Rudy Cheeks was one of my campers. Oh, really? Yeah, I, he, I was his camp counselor. People get a kick out of it. It was camp for younger boys, and Rudy was 10. Yeah. <laughs> and I was his counselor. He was funny then, though. He used to mimic all the other counselors. He was shit. But Kenny showed up, because mm -hmm. Kenny, he was older, but he had just put a record out. I think Paul and Idol was the name of the record. It could have been an epic. But he had just put out a 45, but, and his father was an Episcopal minister. Mm -hmm. But Kenny was in New York partying too hard, and I think Dodge stepped in and said, okay, you got to dry out and talk to Cannon Parsley, yeah. who was the boss, and got Kenny to spend the summer up at camp. Yeah. So that's how we met. We just took to each other. Kenny made a gut bucket base out of an old wash tub. Wow. The real thing. Yeah. And with a, you know, like a broom handle and a rope that yeah. goes down, and he'd play that thing. He had calluses on his hands. From, oh, my God. But we had uh, so much fun doing that stuff. Yeah. And um, 
Uh, we had a drummer. One of the counselors was a drummer, Charlie Assieri from Newport. So we had a thing called God's Little Combo because that year God's Little Acre came out. Yeah. Uh, and the little ruler of every scene. So we call it God's Little Combo because it was a church camp. Yeah. But we played every chance we got, and people would love it. Mm -hmm. And the Jazz Mass came out by written by Father Beaumont. So we ended up playing that and going all around Rhode Island. And God's Little Combo would play the Jazz Mass um, in all these churches, which we thought was quite cool too. I think. Yeah. Which was the Eucharist, the communion service. Okay. But it was put to uh, more modern music. It wasn't the hymns. It was no, no. But were you pulling from some of these other influences that that you had had? Like oh to yeah, kind of like, oh yeah. They had a thing. I think it's stopped called Mox, <laughs> Mox Kyrie. Yeah. And okay. I would play these changes, which pretty much were like rock and roll, almost basic rock and roll changes. Yep. Uh, but you were able to sing the Kyrie to it. Lord, I worship us. Christ, I worship us. Lord, I worship us. It came out musically. It came out cool. Yeah. And we would do that. And then they had other things that we would, other things they had already written. We, they had already been written down. We learned that and played that. Yeah, okay. So it was kind of bluesy. Yeah. Yeah. How did Tombstone start then? I mean, you're a founding member of that as well. Well, so. the, um, Camp stopped, and then I guess Kenny went and got married. I was over his house a couple of times. We did stay in touch with each other because yep. he was uh, he was an influence on me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He totally backed up everything I could do. Uh, okay, he really liked me a lot, and he loved playing everything that that we did. And then we didn't see each other a while, and then I got a call from him. Saying he's playing at Bovis Tavern in East Province on Tuesday nights. And he's got some friends stopping over and playing. Somebody's playing tambourine. That was Bill McQuaid and Alabella on bass. And he said, Come on, I'll play the piano on Tuesday night. I'm a yeah. jam. I said, Sure. <laughs> that would be great. And that's what happened. And that's and that's how it kind of started. And yep. Duke Robillard heard about it. Yeah. Duke came on in. And this other wonderful hop player, Steve Nadella, he came, and oh, it was a blues band. Yeah. All blues. We didn't do any rock and roll or none of that. Just hardcore blues. Yeah. And it was just so much fun. And there weren't any other blues bands around. That wasn't yeah, because this was late, mid-60s? What year yeah, did it start? Yeah, 1966 or 67. Okay. It started. Yeah. And it became the thing to do on Tuesday nights, which is a real off night. Mm -hmm. But all the kids from RISD would come and the kids from Brown, they'd pack the place every Tuesday. That was where to be. Yeah. And they would dance and run outside and smoke pot and all this shit <laughs> and come back in. And, you know, it was a party night. It was time to party. Yeah. Um, and it was blues. Yeah. I remember this guy, Bob Mason came. He was a drummer, and he played for the band called The Fugs. I don't know if you ever heard no. of them. F-U-G-S, out of New York, which is a very um, contemporary type of rock and roll band. But he came, and uh, 
We had quite the band. It was called the Tombstone Blues Band. Yep. And then different people left for various reasons. Duke left. And uh, Steve, uh, Duke left to go start a band called the Black Cats, their own blues band. They, didn't, they just didn't like the way it was being run and blah, blah, blah. And then I think they left that and he went and started the room full of blues. Yeah. You know, the, with all the horns and all yep. that kind of stuff. But the tombstone kept going. For 30, I can't, I did the time, 32 years I played with Kenny. Wow. I know, that is a wow. <laughs> really, I said, no, it can't be. I said, no, it is. Yeah. And, um, but we would have arguments. Oh, my God. Because we were doing more and more and more rock and roll. Oh, like just the sound was changing? So you yep. kind of butt heads on it. was that. less blues, more rock. Yep. And it happened slowly, but I, I wanted the blues. Yeah. I was embedded in that. But we would do more and more rock and roll. People would come and... We had different nights all over the state. We had the Bonview Inn on one night, like Wednesdays, Bowie's on Tuesdays, Gulliver's on Thursdays. We were all over the place. Yeah, just constantly playing. There was just plenty of gigs then, and there were yeah. plenty of bands. Yeah. Lots of places to play. Mm-hmm. And, and you did some touring as well, right? You did a lot of... The what? You did touring with Tombstone as well? We tour. did. We started doing that stuff. Yeah. We got these calls to play up in Maine somewhere. And then actually at some uh, at some point, yeah, we'd travel down to New York and open up for a band down there. And we'd, 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 we'd be doing some touring. Yeah. And then um, his producers, Mike and Stu, they produced an album of the Tombstone. Yeah. And... They got us hooked up with this one and that one. Yeah. And they got us on a tour. Queen had just come out. <laughs> yeah. And Queen was on a tour opening up for, oh, man, I can't think. It was Mata Hoople, right? Thank you. Yeah. Mata Hoople. Queen opening up for Mata Hoople. Yeah. How they stuck us in there, I have no <laughs> idea. There's this American bunch of white guys and... Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think we belonged on that, but we went anyway, of course. Yeah. And it turned out really nice. Yeah. I mean, the Queen was a great bunch of guys. Yeah. Um, and it was always interesting after a gig, um, they would meet back at the hotel. We'd all be on the same floor, and people would be going in and out of each other's rooms and all these jam sessions would be going on. Wow. It was really wow, yeah. And the guitar players from our band, Tommy and Paul and John, they'd be going to their rooms and they'd be coming to our rooms. and um, It was a a party. Yeah. And those were the days of that side. I remember Roger, the drummer from uh, Queen, he came walking into me and he said, Mork, Mark, you got any charge? I said, I looked at him and said, no, I, I'm sorry, Roger, I really don't. Then he walked up to Ed and Tommy, Tommy, you got any charge? And uh, now he looked, Tommy looked at I looked at each other. So it turned out charge was hashish. Oh. That's what the <laughs> English call hash, was charge. Yeah. They, they look at some hash. 
I guess they finally found it. Yeah. <laughs> and those days, you could get anything anyway. Yeah. You know, our roadies, Ray and John, um, they would carry stuff around. They'd always have plenty, always plenty of pot around. Yeah. You know, that's just the way it was. I look back at that. But I look, we did a lot of opening up with big bands. Big bands came to town. Big, I mean, talking like Janis Joplin. Yeah. We opened up for her at the Worcester Central. Wow. And lots of other bands mm -hmm. at um, the Providence Civic Center mm -hmm. or at Lupo's. I mean, we opened up for people. Yeah. And um, tons of them. Yeah. And it, 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 that was an amazing thing to do. Can't heat. Yeah. Um, oh, it goes on and on. I can't think of them all because yeah. it's just a Big Mama Thornton was a big one. At the Lupos. Yeah. And we opened up and we played blues that night. We didn't do the, any rock and roll that night. <laughs> and I remember after we got through our set, Lupo's dressing room or band room, if you will, was down in the cellar and it was nothing more than kegs of beer all yeah, over yeah. the place <laughs> and a table and some chairs. That was a dressing room. Yeah, yeah. And we went down there. Everybody was already down there, but I went to get a beer at the bar. And I walked down, and it was like quiet out there. But Mama, Big Mama Thornton was holding court. She wore this gold dress mm -hmm. and this gold, gold hat. She was just sitting there. She was the queen. That's all there was to it. <laughs> and I walked in, and she looked at me, and she said, I'll never forget this. She said, and you, you are good. To be told that, like Big Mama Thornton, was like the blessing coming from on high. Oh my God. That's amazing. And so I just sat down with the rest of them and just kept my mouth shut. I mean, and then she, uh, pretty quick, she went up to play. We all went up to listen to her. And I was like, oh my God. It was like her voice, the blues. I mean, to be able to say, sit here now and say, I heard Big Mama Thornton. Yeah. Thing. It's huge. Uh, people don't even know who she is. But mm -hmm. I mean, she goes back to those early records that I listened to that Louie used to play for us in his living room on the old Victrola. He uh -huh. said, Here, now listen to this one. This is Big Mama Thorn. Wow. And then I ended up opening up for her, and she said I was good. Oh my God. I mean, I'm spoiled for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. yeah, but, and there were many of those kinds, of, like Janice Jumper. Um, she was wonderful. We got through, and she was listening to us from the side of the stage, yeah. the backstage. She she loved the band, and we got through, and we walked over, and she, she motions me, "Come over here, come over here." And she, you know, I had the proverbial bottle of Southern Comfort. There it was it's real. I said, "Yeah, I'm a full of this. You're a good player, man. You're you're good." And then of course Kenny, he came right over. He had to stand right next to us. He weaseled right in there. And they were just passing the bottle all around, you know, her band and our band. And, yeah. You know, just unbelievable. And I found, you find out after dealing with these people, can he, Grateful Dead, I, whatever, um, Aerosmith, these big, big names are really down to earth. Mm -hmm. They, they didn't have what people would expect to have these humongous 
egos. Yeah. They didn't. They knew who they were. Yeah. They were down there sitting here talking to you and me. Yeah. And it'd be really funny to come back from a tour and open up somebody like this. And you come back to Providence and some band is playing down at the last call or down by where the living room used to be. And they thought they they thought they were king shit, and it was really funny to make that notice. Yeah, you know, here's, here's these guys that haven't gotten off the block yet. Yeah, but you know that's all part of the music thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's it's all in there. We've all had it and got yeah. it, or dealt with it one way or the other. But that was an interesting thing. Yeah, know, to notice all that, and I I feel very grateful to have opened. For the people that I've over with and played with the people like Duke Duke Robois and lots of other lots of other musicians. I yeah. Mean, I'm really happy that I've had that opportunity to, yeah. to do that. Yeah. Then you see, you know, then there was some of the stuff that was really sad. I would go like in my younger days and I couldn't drink, but sometimes I could get away with it. If a big name came to town, which they did, like Coleman Hawkins. I went to hear Coleman Hawkins. At a bar up in North Providence, and he just wasn't good. He was—he'd been doing it too many years, mm-hmm. and he had definitely drank too much that night. Yeah, and that's sad to see. Yeah, uh, that you don't want to, but that's—that is part of it. Yeah, I mean the jazz world, or the blues world, or the music world, and some. In many cases, is not kind no. to ones, you know, depending how deep down people let themselves go, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's there's a lot of addiction, yeah, as you well know, and it's yeah. very sad to see uh, Charlie Parker. And, oh man, yeah, I don't even want to start to get into that. Yeah, it's just so so sad. Yeah, there's like uh, a, some Chet Baker. When he mm-hmm. first came out, he was a young guy, looked like you. He looked young. Yeah. And then within 20, 15 to 20 years, he looked like an old man. Wow. I saw pictures of him, I said, that's Chet Baker. But that's what some of that stuff can, yeah. can do to you. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks how much these things are unfortunately kind of linked together. Of Like being an artist has a lot of connections to mental health issues and, it and drinking does. and, and drug and, you know, other addictions. And they seem to be a little bit, you know, kind of folded in together, you know, so. Um, like I had mentioned earlier uh, the, the pictures of jazz and they all had a cigarette or a drink. I love that mm-hmm. because it gave me an image. Yeah. I didn't have an image of myself. I didn't have one. I, I had no idea about how I was. I was yeah. Crazy teenager, 15, and had no idea what the hell I was doing, but I saw the, the music. I heard the music, and I, at the same time, I got interested in anything creative. Yeah. Uh, the artwork. I wasn't, you know, uh, um, an artist, but I got, I learned about Picasso and all the, yeah. you know, all these art, all the artwork, the poetry. Yeah. Um, Jack Kerouac. Now, um, all of all the poets, E. E. Cummings, yeah, J. D. Salinger, the writers, all that stuff, Norman Mailer, all this, all these things were all, was all in one big old 
pot yeah. and grab in anything you want because they would relate to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they would write about going out to a jazz band at Greenwich Village. Yeah. There'd be poetry about that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so to me, it all mixed very well together. And I somehow felt as though I was some kind of a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Mark and Providence, that's it. Big deal, but at least I felt as though I was, I felt as though I was somebody. I, I had a entity, if you will. Identity. Yeah, yeah. We did a bunch of records with Tombstone, correct? We did some records. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the experience of of recording with them? I I loved it. Just to be in a real recording studio, just that in itself. Yeah. Oh my God. Where did you record? We recorded, um, it was mostly rock and roll songs. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny wrote. Yeah. We did do something by Leonard Cohen um, that John did. But where was the studio? Was it here the in The studio or like was Rhode in Island? New York. New York, okay. Greenwich Village, the Electric Lady. Oh, wow, okay. Oh, wow, is right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was Jimi Hendrix studio. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, I don't believe it. And... That studio was amazing. Paintings, all these beautiful paintings up and down all the hallways. And the men's room and living room paintings, all these gorgeous pieces of artwork. Yeah. And there was this big studio where you could fit an orchestra in if you wanted to. Then there was Studio B, where apparently, which is where Jimmy did most, that's where he liked his stuff. Okay. It was a small studio, and that's where we recorded. Wow. And, um, what a wonderful experience that was. Yeah. Um, the, the producers were Jim, um, Mike and Stuart were the producers, the one that got us in there. We did, I think, only, we did a couple of albums, but I think mm-hmm. only one got released. And, but we did other recording in New York. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Jay Ballatin. He lived in Providence. Here. No, no. He lived on Benefit Street. He was friends. He was a folky, folky kind of guy. Yep. And uh, so we met up with Jay. And like, like Kenny really backed me up and helped me. And he did the same thing with Jay. He said, wow, Jay, you, you're a wonderful writer. Yeah, okay. Let's put some bass on this. Hey, let me call my friend Mark. Put some piano on there. Yeah. And that's how I met Jay. And there were other musicians. And we ended up going to New York and playing. And recording down there and yeah. for Jay, and that was again just a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's a real. Uh, this is a recording studio. Yeah. This is where it's really. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. This is where it's happening. Yeah. Here, here you are. You're playing the piano with Alma Jamal probably played. Yeah. You know all that kind of stuff. A monk could have played that. You know, yeah. Yeah. Or easily. And I'm grateful to have been able to do that.
I know that you also continue to do some solo stuff, yeah. correct? Like you were doing uh, things at Leo's and, and Hi-Hat and stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit about your experience doing that type of music that you were doing? And was it just inspired because you you seem like someone that loves to play, always wants to play, and will just take any opportunity to, to do I, that? Is that? Well, there's some truth to that. Because I used to complain to Kenny about when we're doing too much rock and roll. Yeah. I, and he would give me a ride home. Because yep. we'd both be high at that time. <laughs> like after practice or after shows or after, whatever? After, 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 after yeah. show, driving yeah. up from the, uh, the end down, down near Gansett. And he'd give me a ride home. Yeah. And usually things were cool. Sometimes they weren't. I said, Kenny, why are you calling us a blues band? We don't play any blues. It's all rock and roll. We'd have these arguments, and they'd go back and forth. Yep. And, oh, I quit I don't know how many times. <laughs> he fired me I don't know how many times. It was like Billy Martin and George Steinbrenner. Really? Of, yeah. <laughs> of the Yankees. Yeah. Because <laughs> they did that for a whole summer. Yeah. Billy Martin got fired. I don't know how many times he got fired. He yeah. also quit. Yeah. A bunch of you. Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> And that's what Kenny and I were doing for a while. And he would drop me off the house. I said, screw you. That's the end of this yeah. crap. He said, okay, Mark, see you tomorrow night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we just went. <laughs> yeah. Dang, but um, when, when, then when the band finally stopped, we got together a few times to have little musical reunions. Yep. But didn't keep going. But we did play the gigs. But then I got interested in other music. I was a hardcore jazz guy and a hardcore blues guy. At that time, I had no use for rock and roll at all. No. Okay. But as time went, I went, wow, why the shade of pale by Poco Harum? What a gorgeous piece of music. Then the Beatles came out. Yeah. I didn't like them until they did yesterday. Yep. I said, wow, what a beautiful piece. Then I really started listening to all kinds of music. I found that. I loved a lot of different kinds of music. I played over here at Shape House Scouts still. Yeah. From the back of my truck. And I like it all. I want to play the boogie woogie, but yeah. I want to do White the Shade of Pale. I want to do blues. I want to do some rock and roll. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's just so much good music out there. Yeah. I pick tunes that I enjoy playing. Yeah, okay. Because I know piano players, they say, well, you can't do it. you got to learn this, and you got to learn that, and you gotta, you got to play those songs. And I thought, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that, but I hate that kind of material. Yeah. But I would learn the stuff that I want to learn. Yeah. You know, Georgia, which is a beautiful piece of music. It's, it's a classic. Mm -hmm. If they want a really standard, I'll give them something like that, or... Um, uh, oh, any number of ones yeah. that I do, but they got to be songs that I like to play because you're going to play good. Yeah. If you enjoy what yeah. you're doing, yeah. obviously. If yeah. you're sitting there playing a song you can't stand, you're not going to put much into it. No, it's going to be like this. Uh, how many more times? Like, yeah. I got to play another chorus and you know verse, yeah. and then I'm yeah. done with this song. And I can exactly. move on. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Instead of like. I'm excited for the next part, and I can't wait till the bridge, <laughs> you know, to push yourself to that next, yeah. yeah. You're not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've been there, too. Yeah. Uh, this way, it works better. 
So, I'm so it just allowed for you to be creative and, and, and express yourself and, and share the music that you love playing these solo shows. Exactly. Yeah. And people people enjoy it. Yeah. It comes out. Yeah. I play quite often at the Providence Art Club. Okay. And that's a wonderful place to play. They got the Steinway there. Oh, yeah. You don't need any amps for that thing. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's over 200 years old. They just, a year ago, they just had it. They took it down to Avery Piano, and they went through the whole thing. Wow. The whole piano. Yeah. It was made over 200 years ago. And that playing that piano is just amazing. Uh, it took me a while really just to get the response that you just really? go, you just gently hit that. Uh-huh. Ping, you hear it. <laughs> or ba-boom. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Reverberates through Yeah, chandelier. <laughs> but they built them in those days, like Carnegie Hall, before electricity. Yeah, so it, it needed to be as, yeah, as So they built Carnegie Hall acoustics. acoustically yeah. in mind, and they built piano, Steinway built piano acoustically in mind, so... The people sitting way, way, way up in the cheap seats, way in the back of the balcony, they could hear that little ping. Yeah. That the that the classical player mostly was classical. They mm-hmm. could hear it. And yeah. that is amazing about that. And I have the opportunity to play something like that. And I love playing for art shows. Uh-huh. You know, I'd rather play in a situation where there's something going on in the background. I want conversations going on. Uh-huh. I want to hear laughter. I want to hear the clinking of glasses. Yeah. I'm more relaxed. I have had to play it, probably still well. I mean, somebody's asked, almost, it's almost a concert kind of a thing. Everybody's just quiet and they listen to you. Yeah. I'm not, I can do it, but I'm not that crazy about that. I want the clinking of glasses and the laughter. And yeah. It's just more relaxed. And yeah. they're relaxed and, and they, people will say, she marks doesn't it bother you? No one's listening. I said, they're listening. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they'll come up to me after. I said, I love the way you did this. I love the way you did that. Yeah. And all that. And I feel very fortunate to be a piano player. Because mm-hmm. if you're a trombone player, it's hard to do a solo gig. Yeah, Or yeah. a drummer. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, no one's solo, hiring the solo drummer to... <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one. To play the cocktail hour or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a hard gig to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I feel very, I feel very fortunate. Yeah, and I'm still, I'm still doing it, and I. It doesn't feel like it's that long, but it is. I like I mentioned, I started when I was fifteen. I'm seventy-seven. That's sixty-two years. I said, no, it can't be. I can't. <laughs> I'm not even sixty-two years old. What are you talking? Yeah. But that's how it. How long you've been doing it? That's yeah. how it goes back, but. I feel very blessed to have the influences that I've had. Mm-hmm. Very thankful for the Prisco family who turned me on to my fr- best friend Billy and his older brother Louis. Yeah, who turned me on to all this stuff. I, I never heard of. And yeah, it, it was the opening of the the door for me. Yeah. I'd love to talk about some of the duo stuff that you do as well. Um, you know, one thing that comes to mind, and kind of just talking about playing, I guess we'll call it more the background music. I remember seeing you with Jeff Krastowski from the Low Anthem. You did a, I guess you'd call it a group with him. It was sort of like a residency at 
was it, what was the name of the restaurant? Tina's, the Jamaican restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. seeing you over there. Oh, um, that was fun. Yeah, how did you connect with, with Jeff? And I met up with Jeff. I was playing the gig uh, downstairs at the, uh, at the Civic Center or one of those places. It was yep. a small venue, but there were a lot of people there, and they used that. And Jeff, I, after a while, if somebody's watching, you get conscious that somebody's over there looking at you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he just stayed there. And I just kept playing. I stopped, and he'd be there mm-hmm. with his girlfriend, I think. Then after he came up to me, and he talked about, yeah, I'd really like to, I said, I play bass. You want to try to get together and do some gigs or something? He said, I know this place, Mama Tina's. Yeah. Up on Amwell. I said, yeah, well, yeah, sure. Yeah. So we put together some tunes, and that, that we did that for a while, and that yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's how I met all those people. And, yeah. Uh, that's a whole other crowd, the West End, you know. Yeah, like the Columbus Theater crew. and. Yeah, yeah. they're in the Columbus Theater. Yeah. Uh, and they, rec- I recorded a couple of times for them over there. They need a piano on something. Oh, so they. So I got they a couple of calls, yeah. to, you know. Yep. To that, but Jeff was wonderful, and mm-hmm. they all were. They are interesting, interesting people. But I love Mama Tina's. Yeah. Wow, they were great. Yeah. And then obviously, you play with your son. Yeah. Two Tabers. The two Tabers. That's just outright fun. Yeah, that, that is that is a blessing. Really? Yeah. It really is. His mother plays bass. Okay. Julie plays bass, so he's got a and, and she has a wonderful ear. Uh huh. My I got an ear, but not that good an ear. She's got a great ear. She okay. Can, somebody hits a chord, she can. She can. And her that. mother <laughs> had a greater ear. Yeah. So Sam's got a the best of ear. I I'm okay. But at times he comes down from Boston, mm-hmm. and the three of us will sit in Julie's living room. There's a piano and another electric piano, or two of them. Mm-hmm. We'll set up, and just the three of us will play. Yeah. And that is just the most wonderful thing to do. <clears throat> and then Sam and I, I don't know how it even happened, but somebody heard us. They said, oh, man, you gotta, you got to come over, and you and Sam got to play for us, and blah, blah, blah. And... Sam and I just love to work each other, and mm-hmm. we don't do it enough, and we're always saying, gee, but I hope we can get some more gigs. But yep. We did some openness. We did um, Tower of Power up in Boston. We opened two tables open for Tower of Power, <laughs> like two or three times in Boston. Yeah. We opened up for B.B. Um, King at Lupo's. There's something that, yeah. yeah there's, there's, there's something put on the on the chart. The two tape is opening for BB King. <laughs> but um, it's just so much fun to do. Yeah. And musically we know where each other's going. We yeah. Do, we look at each other and And sometimes you play the same piano, is that correct? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So that's that's, that's not... a real ball because yeah. we start we start crossing hands. Yeah, yeah. Well he'll be like this way out here carrying the big bass and a big top I'll put both of my hands in the middle. Yeah. Then he's over here. Then he's... <laughs> I just Sam. Sometimes I don't know whose hands are doing what, <laughs> but we cross over. All the, of course, people love that. They, yeah. They, they applaud that. That's, so that's cool. magic, and it kind of is. And when we're driving home from that, 
that we did that. I think you were there down at the Nicanese. Oh, yeah. And every time we drive home after we play together, Sam will say, Dad, how do we do that? I I don't have the slightest clue. I I don't know how we do it. We just do it. We just look at each other, sit down. There's just a connection between you two. We just nod and make sure we're in the same key. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of screwed up on my part a few times. Dad, we're in C. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a treat for him as much as it is for me. But what's really nice is it's a treat for other people. Yeah, yeah. It seems that it just comes from a fun place, and that you're just able to share music, exactly. you know, with like with each other yep. um, and share music with with the, with the audience. But it seems yep. that it's just like uh, an in the moment type of bands, you know? Yeah. yeah. It is nice. It's, uh, that's a blessing. Yeah. I mean, that's something to do with your own son. I mean, not a lot of people get get that opportunity. And he's getting more, he's 30 now. Yeah. And he's coming to more and more of his own. Like finding his own sound. ideas, and, yeah. yeah. Because he would get stuff from me, but then eventually he's, he's now he's getting his own stuff and the stuff he got from me, I got from Errol Ghana or Oscar Peterson or Thelonious yeah. Monk. Yeah. You know, it's just music just passes its way yeah, exactly. through. You know, we all have our influences. But yeah, I mean, you were talking about uh, Nick and E's. I did see you there recently with Mark Tabor Band, which has a pretty all-star lineup that's in there of yourself and Marty Richards. Who yeah. is, I mean, he's a phenomenal <laughs> drummer. Like, he's someone that I, when I've seen him play and I'm, and I'm watching him, like, I don't even understand what he's doing some of the times. <laughs> uh, he's incredible. But Marty Ballou and... Yeah. Uh, Marty and Marty are yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. No matter who they play with, they are amazing. Yeah. They fill in on a lot of stuff, and they're just, they play, it seems that uh, they're on par with you of just being an accompanist. They know me really good. <laughs> uh, we yeah. haven't done, I mean, I have to laugh at the Mark Tabor band. There really is no such thing. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what they call them. Yeah. I, I saw that ad, and I said, oh, my God. But... They they call me occasionally. They'll call me, you know. To yep. Come let let let's go do it again. It was fun the last time, and we did a place down in uh, East Greenwich, one of those, the Pump House. Oh yeah. 
That's a cool field. place. Yeah. yeah. And it was with Marty and Marty. Yeah. And it was just fun. Yeah. The three of us just, and they play their after the literally. You know. What. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Some of us They're just they fun do. to watch. And, and they, I mean, I, I love to watch people that are having fun playing. Like, it just, I know that it's probably like a, can be an obvious statement or whatever else, but I've, I've seen a lot of, you've seen a lot of music. You can kind of tell the people that are just trying to get through the set, get yeah. through the songs, you know, maybe they're, they're having fun, but I, I connect more with the ones that are like really into it and are into the band and, yeah. and just looking for that experience. And, yeah. um, I mean, how many shows have you all played? I mean, if you like <laughs> collectively with, with yeah. the Martys and yourself, like how, how many hundreds of thousands of hours have you guys played music and you're still doing it and still yeah. from my view, from the, the audience are still loving to do it. You're still going to Nickonese on a Wednesday night and playing, you know, yeah. and, and just, I feel very fortunate. Yeah. To be able to. Yeah. I know there are, uh, Various musicians younger than I, mm -hmm. and they've had to stop, yeah. um, you know, because of physical problems or mm -hmm. uh, a stroke or mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, yeah. it's nasty. Yeah. And I just consider myself a fortunate person to be still playing. And I, I don't think seventy-seven is an old man. I know it's, I know spring chicken either, but. You know, you're pushing it. A friend of mine, Marcy, she was friends with who was the piano player? Oh, I'm going to mess this up. He was like in his 80s. Uh huh. And she brought him over to my house on Charles Street. And I couldn't believe I live on the third floor. And he walked up the stairs. And there he was. This big tall black guy. Oh man, I can't think of his name. That's so embarrassing. Uh, but there he was. Uh -huh. And he said, "I want you to meet Mark." And he was just. And he sat down. He was as nimble as you could imagine. I mean, some people just keep on going and yeah. going and going. And then, Thelonious Monk was in his 60s. It just stopped. That was it. Really? Yeah. It, no more recording, no more playing. That was the end of it. Just stopped the whole thing. Watched a movie on television. And weird. Um, like everything else, there's no, there's no, you know, there's no guidelines. To go by what's going to happen to you is going to happen mm -hmm. to me. I mean, we'll do what we can do. Yeah. You did a lot of uh, uh, events with Amos House for a while, right? The, oh, yeah. The Super Bowl, is that what it was called? Oh, yeah. Can you talk about some of that, uh, like that specific thing, but also just some of that work, some of the other charity events and stuff? Um, well, obviously, anything charity is never a charge, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm just happy to happy to do it. Yeah. Um, it's usually alone. Yeah. Lots of times. Yeah. And that's that's okay. You know, I'll get there early. 
I'm always way too early. <laughs> yeah. What was it called? That bar in Jamestown. Um, Narragansett Cafe, that one? Thank you. Yeah. The Narragansett Cafe. And we had a gig. We had to start at 5. I was there at 12.30. And got my... <laughs> <laughs> Got my piano set up because I didn't want you know beach traffic. You know, I don't you know you never know. Yeah, flat tire. I was there at twelve thirty. Yeah, and the owner was laughing. He's not a little eyes. I thought, and I got all set up, ready to go. And this book I was reading, I went down to the water and I just sat by the water and totally enjoyed reading for about I don't know two or three hours. I met this very interesting person down there. I had a wonderful conversation with her. That was fascinating. So I said, excuse me, but I got I to go. I got to play up the street. And there's just that relaxing thing about that. Yeah. Um, then I just go and sit down and play rather than, you know, chewing my cut about how you're going to go. I got to be there. 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 You know, yeah, I, yeah. I have anxiety. So the way I cope with that is to... Really, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and played way longer. So lots of times I don't stop. <laughs> I was played at a place in Wal and Cranston. And I come, you know, I go in, get there early, I'm playing away, everything's fine. And I noticed people started leaving. Okay. <laughs> like we got to work in the morning, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they didn't like, I thought I took it personal. I yeah, oh, really? I guess they didn't like that. <laughs> All right, let me try this, you know. And then more people got up and left. I finally looked at my watch. It was quarter past one. Yeah. <laughs> and the owner was sitting at the bar with a friend of his. They got drinking shots because he, he owns the place. Yeah. And I went over. <laughs> I was wondering why people, you know, he started laughing. He said, no, like it was one o'clock. No, we close at one. I should have told you to stop up. He and I were enjoying your, your music. Mm -hmm. and we just kept drinking. But lots of times I won't take a break. You, just, you get into the zone. Yeah. And I guess you do too. I think most musicians do. Yeah. You yeah. Get into I'm definitely the zone not. And that, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's fine. Mm -hmm. you know, what happened was going to happen. Um, yeah. What was it like playing in the Jackie Beat Orchestra? I mean, that was a pretty... That was fun because he had a lot of people, a lot of different people playing in there that I hadn't played with. Yeah. Tommy was in there for a while, but um, he had some other musicians. It was great to play with. We didn't do many gigs. Yeah, I did a couple at Chan's, I remember. We yeah, we like didn't do 20, much. But it was still but like a standout project with Rudy, Rudy Cheeks and yeah. Tommy so, we did yeah. we did a few gigs, yeah. Um, but we rehearsed every Wednesday night. Yeah, that, that was kind of a fun thing up at this place over on Summer Street. Yeah, upstairs up there, and um, and it was very different kind of material, obviously. You know, yeah, all that young adult stuff it was fun to play. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, and again we played with different musicians, so I and Rudy was fine. You know, that was before a stroke, obviously. And, um, but, you know, he was very easy to work for and with. And, yeah. You know, very Brilliant. enjoyable. Yeah. I wish we had done more gigs, but we just, we just didn't. We just didn't. Yeah. It just didn't happen. Yeah. 
Well, I know that the uh, most important show you ever did was you played my wedding. <laughs> right. Uh, I still got pictures of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was uh, an honor to have you be a part of that, that day. And, oh, thank um, you. I, I felt wonderful about doing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, have you ever played on top of New to Conconet Hill before and, no. and that, that scene? No. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty... I've never been. I didn't even know that place was even there. Yeah, <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, and I was playing. I, don't know, I was playing be- while people were coming. Yep. And at one point, the minister came down. Yeah. And he just didn't care for what I was doing, and he looked at me quite sternly and said, "Excuse me, but you need to play a little more professionally. <laughs> That's not professional." I'm not allowed. So I kept it to ballads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no more boogie boogie. Let's kick off. No more boogie. <laughs> no more Beatles. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but people were enjoying oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We loved it. Justin loved it. That's why I was doing it. Yeah. But it was. That's a funny thing with that because I occasionally I would meet up with somebody that I played their wedding. Yep. And he said, do you remember my ride? I, I certainly do. He said, well, thank you. I said, thank you for asking me. I said, I only play for the ones who stick together. That's 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 my rule. Yeah. You know, that's that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're doing that. So. Yeah. More Seems than anything. Like so. um, and right. yeah, we're, we're here on the east side of Providence right now. We're actually across the street from Shea Pascal. Can you... Kind of quickly talk about that and, uh, and really kind of how that came about. Was it with the owners of the restaurant that you started playing outside? It was the owner. It was when COVID hit. Yep. And everybody calls it the pandemic. But it just screwed up everything. And I call it the goddamnic. That's, yeah. that's my word for it. But Matt, the owner, Matt and Christian. Yep. He called me up. He's like, I got an idea. Pull your pickup truck, because there's no indoor dining. Can't have it. Outdoor dining only. Pull up your pickup truck. I'm going to run a, an extension cord out. Yeah. Hook up. Wear a mask. Yep. And let's just see. Let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been going ever since. Yeah. You know, weather, weather permitting. But, and people enjoyed it. Yeah. What days are you playing? It's usually Fridays and Saturdays, but their their food is delicious. Yes. And I have to say that the people that work there are better than the food. They are just the nicest bunch, all the wait staff and the bartenders. They all do all the different jobs. Mm -hmm. They all know how to do everything. Mm -hmm. And they're just the nicest bunch of people over there. You can have fun with them and, you know, uh, great, and they always send me home with food. There you go. Every single time. Yeah. You know, and that's the best. And I, I put on my Gilbane construction hat for a tip job <laughs> <laughs> with a piece of bacon sticking out, a little bacon man, which kind of is kind of appropriate to the pork. Yeah. <laughs> and I've done really well. I do really well with that. You know, getting tips. I, I'll start around four thirty. And it's about nine. Yeah. Wow. 
Maybe stop once, take a quick break to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I tease him. Says, Mark, what are you doing? I said, I'm going inside because I'm using the indoor plumbing. I am sick and tired of being told I have to go pee in the park. <laughs> and they're looking at I said, I know, I'm only the piano player. I don't care. No more piano in the park. It's light out. People can see me. It's not funny. Kids are wondering. I'm using the indoor toilet. Yeah. That's the end of it. <laughs> They're just a good bunch. Yeah. Now, yeah. And, they, and then they'll kid me about it. And then the word will get around. Yeah. Mark, do you have to go indoors for anything? I said, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't, no one not see you. <laughs> I was, okay, I'll yeah. sneak by the other way. Long as Matt does it, because Matt, you know, again, you're just a piano player. I don't, you know, no big deal here. <laughs> you, you don't get to use the indoor plumbing. Come yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you would get special privileges. But... You would think. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll go talk to the owners. <laughs> well, I don't want to huh. start trouble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Mark, what would you say is your greatest musical accomplishment to this point? That's kind of a tough one, but yeah, the thing that comes to mind really is probably playing with Sam. Yep. My son. Yeah, that must be. Um, musically, it's not the most difficult piece of music I've ever played, but the accomplishment part of it yeah. is playing with my own kid. Yep. And being able to. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's the the biggest, nicest musical thing I think I've ever done. Yeah. And besides opening for various people, I mean, there's that. Yeah. You know, being in a band with Kenny and opening up a Janice job, and oh my God, that's just huge. Yeah. Um, and there's been other things like that too. But the biggest yeah. thing I think is playing with my family, playing music yeah. with my own son. I feel very blessed with that. And that we can still do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you are. I mean, that's an incredible thing. It's something that, I mean, that I aspire to. You know. Like yeah. It's it's nothing. Mean. It's nothing that we tried to do. Yeah. It was there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We both read the writing on the wall. Yeah. And said, "Wow, we can do this." Yeah. Because he would stand behind me when he was just learning. He'd stand behind me and watch every mood I made, uh -huh. and then pretty much could sit down and do a lot wow. of it. That's what I said. Yeah. How, how did you do it? I said, you know how long it took me to learn that chord? <laughs> Putting those three chords together took me a long time. You just watch me sit down and do it. How do you do it? How do you do it? I mean. Yeah, can you teach me? <laughs> yeah, well, show me some stuff. That's your turn. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But that, that to me is probably the biggest thing that I can be grateful mm -hmm. for. Yeah. And happy to do all the benefits. And there's been a lot of those, and there still will be. Mm -hmm. I just, because I don't have a lot of money, and I don't care. There's always enough. Mm -hmm. It comes in one hand, it goes out the other. Fine with me. But I feel good that. With these benefits, I can do something for somebody. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I can't give them money, but I can give them three or four hours of music yeah. that other people are going to enjoy and put money in the jar. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's, that's sharing it. your talents and, and yeah, that's recognizing. That last one 
where you were at was for Julie G. And she was the one in the wheelchair. She had a stroke. And Sam and I wanted to, you know, do some raise some money somehow. And which we did. And later I asked, how much, just out of curiosity, how'd you make out? And her neighbor knew. She got $1,400 from that. That's pretty darn good. That's like way more. I thought if you got 500 that'd be awesome. Yeah. But she, people just put the, and that's not a big barroom. Yeah. But no. people were really helpful with it. Generous and, yeah. and Generous. Yeah. Wow. So that, that makes you feel good that it isn't just the music, but you're doing, you're doing something in this difficult world we're living in now. Yeah. You know, and you want to, and you're able to. Uh, yeah. You're just a piano player in a bar, but the people are having a good time and enjoying it. You took them away from the Trumpism. <laughs> you took them away from all this other stuff that's going on and all yeah. the racial hatred. And just want to be happy for a while and just take their mind. I like it when people say, God, I really enjoyed hearing you tonight. I, I had such a break mm -hmm. tonight. And that, that really makes you feel good. That yeah. Give them a break. It's not going to change the world, but at least you're putting something good out there. Yeah. Something positive. Yeah. You're not just adding to the negativity. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mark, I love you. You're uh, just such an uh, amazing person, and I, oh, I I've told you in the past, well, I'll say it again, that just I get excited just to see you. Um, thank so uh, thank you for all that you've done in Rhode Island music and continue to do. It's an honor to get to, to well, speak with you, you and, and share your story. So thanks for your time, and I appreciate it so much. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. I think I got through the whole interview without saying the F bomb, which is pretty, that's pretty good for me. That's yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs>